back. And if you're new to my podcast, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. The holidays can be magical and they can be trying. It can be an incredible time of year and it can also be a challenging time of year. It can be a happy time and it can be a sad time. And no matter who you are, you're sure to be feeling something this year, right? Let's talk about that today. But before we do, let me introduce myself. Hi there, I'm Dr. Kelly Ray and I'm a mindset coach, counselor, notably known as the inner critic tamer. And I'm passionate about helping others just like you and me who have perhaps survived things that we don't necessarily like to talk about, but we know that we want to do better because we want to live better. I'm obsessed with teaching others how to tame their inner critic, that inner childhood conditioning, or as I'd like to say, undo that crap that happened to you and maybe keeps you somewhat stuck and struggling and teach you how to heal from it in order to live the vibrant life you were designed to live. And during this episode, we're going to talk about five ways to cope with depression during the holiday season. For some folks, this is the time of year that you like the least. It may be a reminder of what you don't have in your life. Maybe you don't have a job or extra money, a partner, your kids or grandkids near you. For others, this may be a year you're dealing with the loss of a loved one. That will not be a part of your holiday ritual or routines. For others, this may be the time of year where you want to just slip away from society altogether and hope it passes quickly because the pressure of it all is just too much. I also get that there's absolutely those that love this time of year but may receive some pushback because somehow their jolliness gets to those that aren't jolly. And this may dampen their spirits a bit. It's funny, as a society, it seems no matter where you are on the spectrum of the holiday season, there's a possibility it may make others uncomfortable, to which we may think, get over yourself and let just decide to let people do what they want, which is fantastic until someone else thinks you're being over the top or feels that somehow what you're doing is infringing on their ability to have the season however they want to have it. Always a critic somewhere, right? Even when it comes to feeling down or sad or even depressed, this can make others feel uncomfortable, which is why they're always trying to give justifiable reasons why you shouldn't feel the way you feel. For instance, this last weekend, my family and I paid tribute to my aunt who recently passed. And I was, as I was preparing to leave her home, knowing it was probably the last time I was going to be seeing this home, this place held so many of my childhood memories that I laid my hand on the door, I bent my head, and let my tears fall for a minute. To which immediately a family member approached me, rubbing my back, saying, no, 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 it's okay, let's not do that, let's not do that. To which I needed to reply, I just need a minute. We must allow folks to feel what they feel. 
For it's within these feelings we have an opportunity to process deeper things. However, however, in the same sense, we don't want to get stuck in these feelings for months and years on end. And this is certainly something that we can talk about further one day, but for the sake of this episode, let's talk about the holidays. They can bring about stress and other difficult emotions for anyone. But this time of year may be especially difficult for people living with depression. Fortunately, experts say there are some science-backed strategies which I'm going to share that can help you feel better. Despite the bright lights and festive cheer that accompany the winter holidays, this time of year can bring about feelings of loneliness, isolation, grief, and sadness both for people with clinical depression and even for some who aren't depressed. This can happen for many reasons. For example, the holidays bring an increase in thoughts about family, relationships, and social engagements. If there are issues within these dynamics in our lives, depression can surface. And this time of year may also raise expectations of spending more time with family than usual, which can be stressful for some. For example, events with family may bring up old conflicts and emotions, which can be challenging to navigate. The holidays can also be very difficult for people grieving the loss of loved ones. These common scenarios can be taxing for anyone, whether you have depression or not. But if you do have depression, they could worsen your symptoms. Please note that not all negative feelings during the holiday are a sign of depression. In fact, temporary or situational anxiety or depression during the winter holidays, also known as the holiday blues, is quite common. If you have the holiday blues, you might temporarily feel fatigued, tense, frustrated, lonely, or sad during the winter holidays. But clinical depression, which affects an estimated 6.7% of American adults, sticks around longer. Its symptoms last more than two weeks and affect your ability to function as you normally would. They include some of the following. Sadness or depressed mood. Loss of interest in activities you used to enjoy. Changes in appetite and sleep habits. Fatigue. Feelings of guilt or worthlessness having a hard time concentrating or making decisions, even suicidal thoughts or actions. For some people, the wintertime can also trigger a certain kind of depression known as seasonal affective disorder. This type of depression happens in a seasonal pattern, usually worsened in the darker winter months and lifting by spring when the days are longer and brighter. If you've had any of these symptoms and they've lasted for two weeks or longer, it's wise to seek a medical professional for some help 
about this experience or be willing to work with someone like myself who can help you navigate and heal from it. So let's talk about how to manage depression during the holidays. No matter the cause of your low mood or negative feelings, having an arsenal of healthy coping strategies can help you prepare for and get through the festive months ahead. While practicing good self-care is always important, it's even more important during the holiday season. So I'm going to give you five things that you can work on. Number one, stay active and get outdoors. Moving your body is one of the best science-backed ways to cope with depression during any season, and the holidays are no exception. Physical movement is an effective way to manage depression. I know many who say they just don't like going to the gym, and I want you to know there's so many other variables of physical movement available than going to a gym. For example, going for a walk, jogging, yoga, dance, swimming, taking the stairs in lieu of an elevator, martial arts, hula hooping, chair exercise, bike riding, trying a YouTube physical activity. There's a gazillion things you could do to be more physically active. You just have to choose it and do it. The other thing is with getting outdoors is getting the essentials of vitamin D. Vitamin D plays such a huge impact on our mood. And without it, if you're not getting sunlight, then you may need to do some form of a supplement to keep those levels at an optimal level to help stave off stuff like anxiety, stress, depression. Number two, share how you're feeling with trusted loved ones. Surround yourself with people you can rely on during the holidays, whether it be family or friends. In addition to having trusted people around you to share your feelings with, I'm going to encourage you to also take action on making changes around your situation causing your depression. I can tell you that in the past, I actually lost friends or at best had them ghost me for a period of time because of only talking about my sadness or depressions or feelings of what wasn't working in my life. I was like stuck on a loop and was not even consciously aware of it and then wondered what happened to my friends, wondered why I was feeling more and more isolated and alone. Truth be told, people can only handle so much of hearing about your problems, your situation, or your circumstances before they start start avoiding you. However, when you're actively taking responsibility for your life's situation or circumstance and actively working on improving it, you will find people showing up for you. Know this. People want to help, and they want to see you helping yourself as well. Number three, assess your relationships and set boundaries. Monitoring your emotions around different people in your life and setting boundaries is essential. This could mean limiting the time you spend with people who cause you to feel negative emotions or exacerbate your depressive symptoms. 
as well as establishing boundaries for interactions with and those people who cause those things to seem to worsen with inside of you. Be mindful of your own boundaries and when something feels overwhelming or too much, be willing to pay attention and act on it. Here's the thing. We may not get to choose our colleagues we work with, but we can still establish boundaries in our workplace. As far as friends, it's imperative to surround yourself with people who are in choosing to improve the quality of their own lives. Are they sitting around complaining or judging others? Are they constantly grumbling about the state of affairs of the world, the government, politicians, etc.? Or are they actively participating in their own lives? Are they trying to improve the quality of their life? Are they taking steps to improve their health, their wealth, their happiness, and their relationships? If you align with the latter, then fantastic. You're probably doing the same for yourself because I can tell you if you weren't, those individuals will slowly start disappearing from your life. On the other hand, if you aligned with the first group, then I can assure you, your depression, anxiety, and stress will not improve one bit. Number four, consider volunteering throughout the holiday season. Volunteering to help others allows us an opportunity to get out of our own way. Here's an interesting fact. A review article published in May 2021 in Frontiers in Psychology shows that volunteering for two or three hours a week or even one to ten hours a month may offer us numerous mental health benefits such as having a meaning and purpose, developing empathy towards others, feeling like you matter, contributing to society, social connectedness, and being a part of something bigger than yourself. Finding a volunteering opportunity that's right for you will depend on several factors, including what activities you feel comfortable with, how much time you're able to commit, and which causes you're most passionate about. Number five, create a coping sheet or depression toolkit. A coping sheet is a list of favorite activities you can turn to when you're feeling depressed or sad. You can create one on your own with your family, a trusted friend, or a coach counselor like myself. And having this list, whether handwritten out, typed on a Word document, or in your phone notes, must, and I can't express this enough, must be easily accessible to you, and you must use it. Like anything else, there's tons of help, tools, strategies, etc. available, and all of them are highly effective if you use them. When people tell me these things, they just don't really work. I ask them how many they actively use in their life every single day. And I can tell you, suddenly crickets show up in the room. It's not that they don't work. It's that we don't use them. We don't implement them.
consistently and regularly. Other self-care activities you could add to your toolkit are journaling, listening to upbeat music, massage, spirituality, deep breathing exercises, positive self-talk, dancing, art, rearranging the furniture in your home to create a whole new feel for your space. While self-help strategies may ease life with depression, anxiety, stress, etc., they rarely work on their own. With today's mental health crisis happening, it's a clear indication that more is needed. I can honestly tell you that before I got into this profession, I struggled with reaching out and talking with someone. I had a stubbornness about me that thought I could do everything on my own. I had convinced myself that no one could help me. I also felt like if I needed to talk to someone, that that meant somehow I was failing or weak. And I didn't want to be either of those. What I learned just after my very first session with someone was that I felt better than when I came in. I was actually shocked. You know, you have this stereotypical thinking of what it's supposed to look like, what it's supposed to feel like, and, you know... Do I just go in and word vomit all over this person and tell them all of my problems? That's not necessarily how it went. It's not necessarily how it goes when people work with me. Because there's just this kind of uncertainty of what's really... We have a perception of what we think it's going to be. And then we have a reality of what actually happens during the session. And then we have a perception afterwards. So was I fixed in my one session? No. But what I was able to have was better and better days over longer periods of time. I want to repeat that. I had better days over longer periods of time, which in that original state of my sadness, I didn't think was possible. You know, one day I realized I was laughing more. I was smiling more. I was engaging with others more. I hadn't realized how much I hadn't been doing that because I was stuck in that loop. Oftentimes we don't see when we're stuck in our own stuff. It requires us moving out of it and seeing and learning more. I learned by actually processing through my depression, anxiety, and stress that I was able to access access the catalyst that created all of those feelings in the first place. I thought I had known what it was. And if I had known what it was, then why would I continue having stress, anxiety, and depression? I didn't. But when I did, oh my gosh, I can't even begin to tell you how liberating and freeing that was. I cannot begin to tell you the enormous relief that I felt in being able to release that and live a life I had only dreamt about. I just knew for sure my current life's situation was quote-unquote fate, or some days I even considered a curse, or worse yet, thought this is how my life was going to be forever. 
talk about gloom and doom, but you know what? When you're in it, it feels like it's going to be like that forever. But I'm here to tell you, from a personal and a professional standpoint, your life has more meaning than the feelings of depression, anxiety, and stress will ever have. And I can certainly help you move through that without years and years of counseling. In fact, I can guarantee after just the first visit, you'll feel so much better than when you walked in. If you have found this episode helpful or know someone who could use a little extra support along the way, I'm going to encourage you to share this podcast. I'm also going to encourage you to to follow it so you can get weekly updates and notifications of when a new episode is put up for you. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, I'd like to get ways for you to do that. I'm on Instagram at Ask Dr. Kelly Ray. Kelly Ray is spelt K-E-L-L-Y-R-A-E. I'm on Facebook at Dr. Kelly Ray B, B as in brown. My website is drkellyray.com. My email is drkellyray at gmail.com. And as of most recently, yes, I've gotten on the TikTok bandwagon and I'm on there as Dr. Kelly Ray. Until next week, please know I send you so much love.